Hello everyone and welcome back to Aramashik. Let's talk about the most magical place in Europe. I'm Eric and yes, today Niels from Capturing Disney Parks, who you know from his amazing Instagram, Twitter and website, and I will be chatting all about our top five attractions at Disneyland Paris. Some might be zen and some might be wild, and yet we love them all the same. Niels, it's so great to have you back. Thank you for coming back on the show. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me on the show again, Eric. <laughs> you guys, we've got a good load of fresh off the Mickey Waffle news for you today. In a surprise bit of news, Catherine Powell, president of the Western region of Disney Parks, has left the Walt Disney Company. Powell was in charge of overseeing Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and Disneyland Paris. Her position has been eliminated under the recent restructuring, and now the presidents of each of the three resorts will report to Bob Chapek directly. Yeah, that's sad news, uh, since, well, Catherine was very popular here with the Disneyland Paris fans, I think, when she was president of the French resort uh, not so long ago. So, yeah, she really had the like factor. Uh, <laughs> now she's, uh, well, gone. <laughs> totally left the Disney company, so... Uh... Yeah, that's pretty sad. Yeah, it's really sad to see her go. I just saw a few interview segments of her and she spoke French, which th that in itself is amazing for somebody who manages Walt Disney World, Disneyland, all these international American parks as well as Paris, and she can speak the native language. So I thought that was really mm -hmm. impressive too. And Yeah, it was. Yeah, I personally saw her once in real life at the Disney fan days and she really seemed to be like, well... An extremely friendly and uh, interested person. Eh? She, she really was interested in all the fans and doing little talks. And yeah, yeah. She, she really was a nice lady. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the good news in Disney politics this week is that uh, Disneyland Paris responsibilities will be handed over to uh, Michael Colglager, if I pronounce it right, mm -hmm. who leads the Disney parks and resorts in Asia now. So ah. it sounds like we're in good hands as the Asian parks are praised a lot for service and also investing more uh, <laughs> in new attractions than Disneyland Paris recently did. So I hope that we're, well, getting somewhere Most here. <laughs> definitely as Michael hook us up with some outstanding service. Yeah, mm -hmm. That would be so great. I would love to see some of the more kooky aspects of the Asian resorts as well in Paris. Uh, the crazy food, mm -hmm. the, I mean, I mean, I mean, crazy in like the best ways, like I should say, <laughs> I guess, creative food, really cool snacks. I feel like we're already starting to see them put a bit more effort into the culinary yeah, aspects definitely. of the park and with the cool seasonal snacks so yes halloween decorations are up and this year the town's mickey pumpkins have been redesigned to hold plants so it looks really cool and the wonderful cocoa decorations are back up in Frontierland, among many, many other things and the new seasonal entertainment as well. Yeah, I'm really happy to have uh, the Halloween season back at Disneyland Paris. Uh, it might be even my favorite season, so... It really is a really good season. Yeah. It looks amazing. Yeah. The parks looks fantastic. And since we're the only park that really has four seasons, right, we mm -hmm. can take advantage of that. The fall colors and the leaves and our trees match the theming. So. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, It's cool to have those friendly ghosts back in Main Street, including the sounds of <laughs> <laughs> them, well, howling, cr crying. I'm not sure how to say that, but you, you, you yeah, can they, hear they're them They're giggling too, yeah. right? They're like, hee, hee, hee. <laughs> and the cocoa decorations indeed are, well, they're lovely in the Frontierland area around uh, Big Thunder. Most definitely. And they have the pumpkin ladies and boys <laughs> back in Frontierland as well. So yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, oh, They're so nice. I've been going for the past four or five years or something. I've been going every year for Halloween. So now this year I'm going to go for the Christmas season instead to just get a little bit of perspective on that as well. I'm really yeah, excited. Something different. <laughs> something different. 
There's also a really interesting rumor going around, and it pertains to the future of Galaxy's Edge that will be premiering at Walt Disney Studios Park in the coming years. Now, since the American counterparts aren't quite drawing the massive crowds that Disney hoped, it is possible that maybe some adjustments could be made to the original concept of just copying and pasting Batu into Paris. So for those of you who don't know, Batu is the planet that one travels to when visiting Galaxy's Edge in Orlando or California. However, Batu was never really in any of the Star Wars films. It's a space that was specifically developed for the Disney parks. Now, there are some similar elements like the cantina and other details. However, it's not like you're going to Tatooine or Coruscant from the films. Discussions are going on right now whether or not it's worth building another Batu or maybe doing something directly from the films, kind of like Hogsmeade at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Universal Studios, which has been a huge success. Now, again, this is just a rumor, nothing's verified. However, I for one would be totally fine with either option. Batu looks fantastic in my opinion, but it's also a perk to getting something exclusive over at Disneyland Paris, something that no one else has had or experienced, which if you really think about it is even more exciting and you can really justify that extra trip to Paris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, both options work for me too, but it looks great indeed in all the pictures that I <laughs> saw coming by on Instagram. Most definitely. But something unique, yeah, it might be even more interesting as long as it will look just as immersive as what I saw in Galaxy's Edge uh, in the US parks. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it shouldn't be a, a cheap ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mostly excited about the fact that we are getting something new <laughs> and that it will have a Star Wars theme. So uh, yeah, oh it's my gosh. Uh, pretty yeah, interesting. It's so exciting. As I'm sure many of you are already aware, the UK-based international travel company Thomas Cook Group has ceased all operations, meaning that all packaged holidays and flights booked through the company have been cancelled. Thomas Cook also booked packaged holidays to Walt Disney World and Disneyland Paris. Now we're not going to go into details here on just how, but if you need assistance, I'll put a really helpful link down in the show notes with further information on the situation and... I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you guys that none of you are missing your trips right now. <laughs> it's a really yeah, yeah. crappy situation. Disneyland Paris has released a new fabulously high production quality video to promote the new Tower of Terror experiences now available over at Walt Disney Studios Park. The whole thing is underlined by this really wonderful jazzy music number. Let's listen in here. So tell me now, are you brave enough? Are you really sure? Do you have the stuff? This is one that will definitely get stuck in your head. I for one can't wait to experience the new randomized drop sequences and story. Oh. I'm ready, give it to me. <laughs> well, I'm not for those drops, <laughs> but I'm really happy that beautiful video with the new storytelling elements and the fact that rides may get more, well, seasonal variations or overlays uh, here in Paris too. That's a really good sign. So let's hope uh, yes. <laughs> for even more overlays. Mm -hmm. As for the song in the trailer, did you notice that it's the Are You Brave Enough song from the, the, the villain show that's no, is being really? performed in the other park on the castle stage yeah it's the seasonal halloween show but 
Now uh, they put it in a jazzy uh, uh, version, oh. so uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh my gosh, no, I did not make that connection. Oh, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, it does. If you see it live at the park, I saw somebody post a video of this on Twitter that at the end you might get one of the little Tower of Terror bellhops um, making a yeah. little exit there, which is really yeah, cute. I saw that too. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. So it's got the cool, huge LED screens and a live action element to it, which is always nice. Yeah. <laughs> And it also adds some dynamics to, well, that's the whole production courtyard, which <laughs> is quite an empty space at the moment. So uh, Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's great to have the Halloween feel uh, over there as well. Definitely. Speaking of seasonal overlays, have you seen the video in Disneyland of the Haunted Mansion with Christmas, Jack Skellington, Nightmare ah, Before yeah. Christmas? The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I would love yeah. for Phantom Manor to get something like that as well sometime. So. Yeah, that would be great. <gasps> Maybe yeah. in the future. I think it's also in uh, Tokyo uh, yes. that they have that overlay. That'd yeah. be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day. One day, one day. <laughs> <laughs> so on the 27th of September, Disneyland Paris was affected by a park-wide attraction outage. Interestingly enough, the Backlot Tour, Tower of Terror, and Crush's Coaster were still operating, so the latter two must use their own proprietary systems. The outage lasted around 2.5 hours, and this was apparently due to an electrical failure of the compressed air systems that many attractions utilize. As you can imagine, a bit of chaos ensued as folks were filling up the streets and especially town halls. <laughs> Those poor cast members, I can just imagine. And the poor <laughs> folks on vacation too. Seriously, like in a situation like this, nobody wins. No. <laughs> to make up for the outage, Disneyland Paris decided to keep a few of the flagship attractions open an extra 30 minutes, which which is nice. I, I yeah, that's nice. <laughs> but I can imagine that uh, people got a bit frustrated. It's not cheap to go to Disneyland Paris yeah. and a lot of people traveled from far to get there so yeah uh, but yeah well things like this can happen of course and looking back on it 2.5 hours is yeah it's a it's a bit but it's not like the whole day you no, know but at, in that moment you don't know how long it's gonna last so it's no. like the unknown creates even more anxiety i would yeah. say <laughs> and especially when you have to tell your children <laughs> that they cannot oh do their favorite rides. yes because crying screaming kids are yeah. so understanding <laughs> of situations like this <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well might be difficult well at least i got it resolved i'm happy i hope it never happens again i'm keeping my fingers crossed <laughs> In other crazy news, a search party and a helicopter were called after tourists under the influence of LSD went missing in Disneyland Park. French newspaper L'Express reported that rescue crews were alerted of the 32-year-old's disappearance by the man's girlfriend, who had allegedly supplied him with a drug before park closure. 30 firefighters, 10 divers were mobilized to search the area. Along with the assistance of 80 park cast members, dogs, and a military gendarmerie helicopter fully equipped with a thermal camera. Thankfully, they were able to locate him alive and well at around 12.30 a.m. that same night. Fallen on the bank of a body of water. I mean, which body of water? Rivers of the Far West? <laughs> Adventureland? Fantasyland? Who knows? <laughs> the pair were then escorted to the Chessy police station detained for illegal narcotics use. And I'm assuming they also received a lifetime ban to Disneyland Paris. Obviously, you guys, don't bring illicit substances into the park. Let's stay safe and be the responsible, super loving Disney fans that we all are at heart. Okay, moving on. Niels, <laughs> <laughs> you attended the last Sportastic Run Disney. How was that experience for you? It was great. <laughs> but maybe it's good to first explain that the Run yeah. Disney weekend exists out of four races. The 5K on Friday. 
10K and kids races, um, which have three distances based on age on Saturday and uh, 21 on Sunday. I participated in the 5K family run on Friday night together with my wife and our eight-year-old daughter. And it was really great to see my little one passing by lots of people and to see her just (laughs) going and going towards that finish line. Uh, And in around 31 minutes, we finished together. So yeah, I'm really proud of her. She was channeling Dash from The Incredibles. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. But the fun basically starts already in the corals. We got a pep talk from the uh, Disneyland Paris ambassador and there were some live interviews with runners that could be seen on a big uh, LED screen. Oh, nice. Yeah, and along the way, there were character meet and greets, of course, but, well, we didn't stop for that. And the lines were, like, crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but it added so it was some... a well-attended event. Yeah, but, but, but it added some Disney magic to see the country bears and Bolt and Mittens and, I believe, Aww. Thumper and Miss Bunny. So nice. And there were more... Oh, yeah, the Aristocats. To see them just uh, well, they're along the way, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. The classic characters like Mickey and Minnie uh, awaited runners in their sporty outfits in the finish area on the production courtyard stage. And there were also some Lion King-themed projections on the Tower of Terror. So Ooh. it's that kind of entertainment and special effects that make, well, this a true Disney run. So uh, that's pretty cool. There was also more than enough food and beverages. A beautiful, heavy Lion King medal <laughs> for the finishers and a great t-shirt too. So uh, the 5K definitely uh, was a well, a must-do uh, for me. Oh, so nice. Yeah, and, and then on Saturday, my daughter also did uh, the 1K kids run. Last year, the kids races were really bad organized. So I was a bit nervous this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, last year, there were uh, wrong times in the program. There were long waits Uh-oh. in the hot sun with too many little kids. Water was supplied really late and also picking up your kids from well some kind of pickup area after the finish line was quite chaotic uh, in my opinion oh my gosh but disney learned and this year it was pretty well organized i have to say so uh, well done <laughs> times were clear oh, water God. was supplied when entering the coral races were split over the morning and afternoon so it was i think it was smaller groups and also security checked twice if you took your own child from the pickup area so that was really good nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and the race itself was pretty cool too uh, with Peter Pan and Wendy uh, at the start and some of the Lost Boys at the finish line. So uh, yeah, really, uh, really nice. I remember seeing this Twitter video of this one dude and he was like this super athletic guy, right? And he's wearing this tiny, tiny Snow White dress. Snow White Ah! outfit. Yeah, I saw it. (laughs) Oh, so iconic. But actually there were quite a lot of men dressed as Disney princesses uh, uh, over the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I love it. Yeah. Did you wear a costume or did you just go in your regular cool runner's outfit? Uh, in my regular uh, running outfit, yeah. <laughs> so what was your personal highlight and what do you think could have been improved this year? Well, I have two highlights, actually. <laughs> One of the most exciting things of this, this whole run is, uh, especially if the 5K, is that it takes place in the evening. So the first coral starts running at 8 p.m. And since it's already getting dark at 8, the run through the parks is, well, extra magical with all the lights, including the colored cocoa lights in Frontierland now for Halloween. The music, of course, and lots of cast members and characters along the way. 
And even in Toy Story Playland, they had the attractions running without guests as the park was already closed. Slinky Dog, uh, the parachutes, and then also uh, RC Racer were running all the time. And they looked beautiful uh, when they're all lit up in the evenings. So they were just running empty? Like nobody was on the attraction? They were just yeah. moving? Oh, interesting. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was just like a, a nice prop uh, mm-hmm. for the runners. And the other highlight is that you don't just go through Disney Village and the regular walkways in the parks. You also get a unique opportunity here to enter some of the backstage areas. This year we ran at the backside of Main Street USA, for instance, just behind the Discovery Arcade, where things look less magical. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, where you can find even a quick service restaurant for cast oh, members. Interesting. We also saw the expedition area of the Disneyland Hotel, bus stops for cast members behind the attraction walls, firemen and, uh, and the equipment and so on. So it's pretty cool to have the opportunity uh, to go there once. Sneak peek behind the scenes, right? Yeah, sneak peek. Yeah. At the studios, I particularly like the opportunity, just like last year, to also run the studio tram tour route and also cross the stunt show stage when it's fully lit up. So you see the big tribune. Everybody gets their 30 seconds of fame running across the stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really like you're the show men and show women uh, <laughs> all together. I said it's pretty cool. Coming back on the uh, <laughs> the question of what I think that could be improved. So the only real advice that I have for Disney is to make the Run Disney Expo look more magical. Mm-hmm. This is the huge Disney events arena tent in Disney Village where the runners pick up their bibs and their t-shirts. There's also a shop with some exclusive uh, merchandise, photo walls, sponsor booths, etc. But it's just a tent and it doesn't look magical at all it's just basic and a bit corporate (laughs) so yeah if they are able to add a bit more disney magic to that for the twenty-seven thousand runners and their supporters then uh, yeah that would be great overall it sounds like a fascinating event i definitely agree that those tents could look a bit nicer but i just love hearing that they used the tower of terror for the projection mapping and that they kept their tractions running that's also really really cool yeah that's really cool that's maybe also a good tip for people <laughs> that plan a visit <laughs> during one of the run weekends. Don't go if you're not a runner. <laughs> it's so extremely busy that I saw even people reporting a 114-minute wait for Big Thunder Mountain uh, <laughs> on their socials. So, uh, yeah. And I also experienced that uh, some of these short rides like Snow White and Pinocchio had wait times of around 40 minutes. So, yeah, it's an extremely busy weekend with a lot of people. Uh, it's 27,000 runners, but also their supporters and, well, maybe some people that didn't know that there was a run and <laughs> 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 just came for the attractions. And, yeah, and of course, there are some runs going through the parks, which also um, makes it sometimes a little bit more time consuming to get from one side to the other side. Right. Oh my gosh. But overall, it sounds like a really fantastic experience. It was, yeah. (laughs) Maybe someday if I like start running a little bit more (laughs) often, it's something that I would consider doing and experience the park in a different light. Yeah. All right, you guys, ready or not, here they come, our top five Disney attractions. Niels, do you want to start us off with your number five? Sure. Yeah, let's start. So my number five is Ratatouille, the adventure. I can already reveal that this is the (laughs) only attraction that I have in my top five uh, located at the uh, Walt Disney Studios. (laughs) To be more specific, uh, this one is in the Toon Studio. It's the latest attraction that uh, has been added to the studios to date. And the ride opened, I think, in 2014. So that's already five years ago. And currently it is exclusive to Disneyland Paris, but... 
a clone is being built in Walt Disney World's Epcot. So what kind of attraction is it? It's a trackless dark ride. You don't see the track, of course, <laughs> that your vehicle will follow. So the three red mobiles that start together, each with six people, follow slightly different ways. And you wear 3D goggles, as most of the adventure is actually screen-based, enriched with huge props, some nice 4D effects like sense, cold, heat, and even some water, if it's working. <laughs> <laughs> the vehicles move really slowly, and it's a fun family uh, experience. The 3D effects are combined with uh, the slightly tilting vehicle and some on-screen movements uh, make it maybe feel fast, but actually... Uh, it's uh, well, <laughs> a really slow, uh, slow ride. For almost five minutes, we ride our red mobile as we trunk down the red sides and experience life from their point of view. So everything you see is huge. Actually, we trunk already in the last part of the waiting area where we are on the roof of Gusteau's restaurant. After the ride, you end up for a window overlooking uh, Bistro Chez Rémy, a French cuisine table service restaurant. And well, that's... For me, the perfect uh, way of ending uh, such a ride is that you have an opportunity to stay in the same feel of the ride itself. In this restaurant, the theme is being continued um, as you have enormous dishes, silverware, Christmas lights, etc. So you really stay a little red when you uh, dine over there. And that's exactly what I like so much about uh, Ratatouille. Eh? The, the theming is pretty perfect. The movie is great too. And the Parisian story fits Disneyland Paris as no other park. So yeah, it's a perfect uh, attraction to do when you visit Disneyland Paris. Most definitely. I just adore how when you exit the attraction, you pass by the restaurant and it looks so cozy next yep. to Captain Jack's over in the other park in the parts of the Caribbean, which also gives you that same kind of cozy emotion when you're passing by the diners. Yeah. And you really stay inside the ride, inside Definitely. the story. So it's yeah. really immersive space and the design of the restaurant is fantastic. And the food is really good too. I've eaten yeah. there twice now and... Both times were fantastic, so it's definitely worth checking out yeah. and making a reservation for it because yeah, that definitely. place fills up quickly. Yeah, that's a good tip. <laughs> yeah, and for the ride itself, it's great that they have fast pass and also a single rider. Definitely. As it's a pretty popular ride, so uh, yeah. Single rider is always great for every attraction, but especially yeah. Ratatouille because a lot of those people riding are families, so with their kids, they want to ride together. So if you're a single rider... That line moves pretty quick in compared to other yeah. single rider attractions. Yeah, so. usually you're in a red mobile in, well, five, maybe maximum 10 minutes. It's amazing. And the wait is like two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So my number five is Hyperspace Mountain. I mean, Hyperspace Mountain is such an iconic attraction. But honestly, you guys, if you're used to Space Mountain and the other parks, this is definitely something new. It's a completely unique, more intense interpretation, and it's the only Space Mountain that features inversions and an uphill catapult launch. It's so much fun, you guys. <laughs> honestly, Space Mountain would have been even higher up on my list if it wasn't for the Star Wars overlay. And it's not that I'm hating on it, it's just that the original De La Terra La Lune, and even Mission 2 for that matter, had it just had a lot more soul and the theming was more consistent than in the current iteration. So I'm not going to ramble on about the good old days, but <laughs> the storyline used to flow so perfectly into the theming of Discoveryland, which was all based around Jules Verne's books, From the Earth to the Moon, and the Fanfield's Columbiad Cannon that would shoot riders into space, and it had all this really cool motion, fog, sound, and light effects that have now been stripped of the attraction. So um, anyway, <laughs> today it does a fantastic <laughs> job of combining projection effects with cool lighting and the iconic Star Wars soundtrack. 
Along with the Star Wars overlay come these blue Victorian trains with the most comfortable shoulder vests that I've ever experienced on any roller coaster inversion type attraction. So these are super comfortable. I hope they put them on the future rock and roller coaster slash Iron Man to be attraction because <laughs> those are great. <laughs> yeah. Definitely check it out if you're into thrill rides. This is something that's not for the little kids as it's definitely really intense. I wouldn't say it's scary in the sense that something jumps out at you in the attraction at any point, but it is dark, it's loud, and it's super fast. So very exciting. Yeah. So how <laughs> many inversions are there i believe there are three inversions yeah, yeah pretty heavy <laughs> it's a lot of fun yeah so number four niels what have you got for us well my number four is uh, star tours the adventures continue so that's a good one i'm a star wars fan so <laughs> that's also what made me originally interested in the in doing star tours and i have to say that disney did a great job on well creating a starport let's say an airport for intergalactic travels definitely uh, there are departure times Timetables everywhere in the waiting area, intergalactic weather forecast, travel agency uh, promos uh, for planets we know from the movies. And we see C-3PO and R2-D2 as well there. <laughs> Those are so cool. Yeah, the waiting area is really, well, fantastic. You almost want to wait. <laughs> <laughs> and the second part of the waiting area are the starboard security checks. We see robots checking baggage and screening us with a great sense of humor. So yeah, it's a beautiful way to start the ride and build up to the experience. Next is the Star Speeder spacecraft boarding area uh, where a cast member assigns you uh, to a gate and where you pick up your 3D goggles. So after the safety instruction movie, uh, which does its job very well with some more funny elements, then you can finally <laughs> enter your Star Speeder. And uh, yeah, it, it's uh, the start of the great experience where a cast member first welcomes you, checks the seat belts, usually says, uh, may the force be with you uh, while leaving, and then the ride <laughs> starts, which is a very vibrant and turbulent flight simulator with 3D effects, light effects. Oh, and they do something cool with one of the star tourists uh, as well. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, that's, uh, this is pretty nice uh, how they do the whole uh, in introduction as well. Most definitely. Yeah, you will visit some cool Star Wars destinations. And the great thing is that every ride could be different. Eh? There are multiple film or ride segments and each of them has a couple of variations. So there are many combinations possible and that makes star tours less predictable and also far more interesting to repeat over and over over again uh, in my opinion definitely doesn't really hit a home run with those multiple journey combinations that you really don't know which experience you're going to get every time you ride because it just adds such a yeah. factor of realism to the attractions and mm -hmm. as far as i'm aware they're the only theme park in the world that has done this so far with their motion simulator attraction so it's really awesome oh yeah that's that's really unique then. Yeah, I remember that when the last jedi came out they added a scene from that movie as well so I hope they keep on doing that uh, when new Star Wars movies or maybe even the <laughs> series, eh, The Mandalorian on uh, Disney Plus <laughs> come available today. Well, keep on adding new segments Boy. to the uh, Star Tours, right? Yeah. That'd be so exciting. Yeah. I can't wait to see what they do here. We're definitely going to get a new segment for the next movie that's coming out, which I'm very excited for. And yeah, let's see what the future holds. Yeah. Overall, I adore Star Tours. It's always been a part of Discoveryland. And I think just because it's hidden back there behind Space Mountain, it was never such a consistency issue mm -hmm. as some other attractions like Buzz Lightyear. So yeah. Overall, it's super thematically consistent. Like you mentioned, the queue area is just 
It just flows one immersive space into the next, and it really puts you into the Star Wars world, which is something that's so completely missing from mm -hmm. Space Mountain at the moment, because in your queue, you're just waiting in a long, dark corridor, and there are just, like, one or two posters <laughs> hanging on the wall. It's kind of <laughs> sad, actually. And, um... It used yeah. to be that the original Space Mountain de la Terra la Lune, those corridors had, I think it was metal fencing, so you could actually peek inside the attraction, which was designed very dynamically oh, yeah. and lit in this steampunk, retro-futuristic aspect with the moon with the smiling face. That's something they took out. I mean, even if they keep the Star Wars aesthetic, which I would be fine with, maybe just add some more... Star Wars in there, give it to us, you guys. <laughs> yeah, some more theming. Yeah, some more theming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with you that because this Star Tours is all the way in the back of uh, Discoveryland, uh, that it's like a little land on its own, especially with the huge Star Wars shop called Star Traders uh, at, at the right exit. And you have the big aircraft on top of the building and the Darth Vader meet and greet. So, yeah, we already have a small uh, Star Wars land, uh, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's its own little space. Yeah. All right, number four, Peter Pan's flight. It's superbly designed, absolutely delightful. It combines lovely Disney characters along with really cool effects and classic films, charming music, which is always a delight to listen to. This is one of the Disneyland originals, and not only is it that, but it's also an advanced remake of it. Just like the original, it features the unique flying boat system that parkourers travel to Neverland with, but with the recent addition of projection mapping, the Disneyland Paris version also features the largest amount of fiber optic effects used in any of the attractions, and just like all the others, it's charming. It also clocks in a slightly longer ride at about three minutes, so we get a little bit more Peter Pan in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and still it feels pretty short. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Considering the 70 minute wait, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. Personally, right now, it's my <laughs> Fantasyland favorite. And like Niels mentioned, it's one of the most popular and iconic dark rides in many Disney parks. Besides It's a Small World, Peter Pan's Flight was my personal highlight as a child because it was not too scary. It was just a good old adventure. And the prohibitive queue time is pretty much the only downside to this attraction, which usually hovers around the 70 minute mark. So be sure to get a fast pass for this one, folks, because that queue is not so, <laughs> so much fun to wait in. <laughs> no, it's outside, so it could be quite cold yeah. or uh, rainy uh, in Paris, so not ideal. Yeah, or super hot this past summer, too, and there's no fans yeah, or air conditioning true. or anything. So you're really exposed to the elements. Yeah. Get that oh. fast pass if you want to ride it, folks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. On the with my number three which is Pirates of the Caribbean. This is such a classic and I totally love the fact that in this case the ride was created before the movie hit the big screen. So the original Pirates ride opened already in 1967 in Disneyland Anaheim and most versions including the Paris one now have Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow included in the ride to make it match today's visitors expectations. We can also hear the great movie theme music now in Adventureland when approaching the attraction, but well, that didn't used to be there in the past. Again, I chose an attraction that uh, has a beautiful waiting area. The exterior already shows us that we enter uh, some kind of pirate fort. So when we stroll through the dark building, we pass along cannons, jail, skeletons, so cool. lots of spider webs and dust. <laughs> Disney doesn't have to clean, uh, <laughs> clean in there. To end up outside, well, uh, underneath the palm trees, which is actually inside, of course, but uh, it's amazingly done. And then we enter our little boats to make a night tour through the Caribbean where pirates made a lot of mess. 
Uh, it's great scenery, some interesting effects, and a lot of audio animatronics that, well, make this 10 plus minutes ride a true storytelling beauty, in my opinion. As it really feels like going back in time and being there. There's one big lift hill and there are two drops, a big one and a smaller one where they take your picture in the end. That adds some excitement to the, well, basically just <laughs> a dark ride where you <laughs> look at an audio animatronics. <laughs> So still family friendly, although little ones might be scared in the dark, just like you mentioned <laughs> with Space Mountain. <laughs> a tip, uh, there's a beautiful book available, if it's not sold out again, uh, in the shop at the exit of the ride. Yes. <laughs> with the history and the changes that they made over time. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. It's in French and English in one book and just 20 euros. So pretty affordable. I'm definitely going to pick one up next time I'm there. Yeah, you have to. It's really great. Yeah. And before I forget, Captain Jack's restaurant, uh, you already mentioned it. The restaurant located in the same building. A pretty good table service restaurant with lots of fish on the menu, of course, uh, but also some chicken and vegetarian option, of course. But I love the fact that the food has a Caribbean flavor and uh, yes. yeah, it fits the story that way. But the best reason to eat there, well, at least for me, is that you are actually inside the attraction and that you see the boats coming by. So yeah, that's, so much uh, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. when we were there, we were sitting right by the water and every boat that passed us, people would scream. Bon appétit! <laughs> that was so hilarious. Yeah, and then you just throw some chicken uh, towards them. <laughs> Here. Here, catch! <laughs> You're a pirate. Here, you have some chicken with bones. No, that chicken's like 30 euros. I'm eating that by myself. Thank you very much. They can yeah. pay for their own. <laughs> yeah, you were right. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I mean, what a classic attraction. And it's just so much fun. I also love how they adapted it slightly in Disneyland Paris. So we actually get two drops instead of the one drop over in the American yeah. Park, which is really fun. And just so many details. I mean, this entire ride is filled with endless details. We could do a whole episode just recalling our little favorite elements. Yeah, like one definitely. of mine is the little octopus sitting in the boat at the very beginning and he's playing with some jewelry or something <laughs> that he found in the water. It's just super cute, you guys. Yeah, It's great. Lots of details. Yes, definitely. All right. I'm taking it back over to Walt Disney Studios Park. I know there are not that many oh. attractions left over there right now. No. But <laughs> one that's standing tall is the Tower of Terror. So not only do we now have three exclusive shows scenes that can't be found anywhere else in the world, but it's one of the most immersive Disney attractions ever built. Really my favorite drop tower type attraction anywhere. Besides giving you that wonderful sensation in your tummy when that elevator drops down the 13 floors, <laughs> the ride sequences are now randomized in Paris as well, so each experience is going to be unique. The haunted luxury hotel theme is executed so well with so many details to look at, especially in the lobby where many of the props are original antiques. And before boarding the elevators, you enter the boiler room, which greets you with some of the creepiest sound effects I've ever experienced on any Disney attraction. <laughs> One of my favorites is the disembodied voice of the little girl calling through the pipes, and the safety spiel sounds like it was narrated by the world's oldest, snobbiest bellhop, which is absolutely fantastic. One thing that I found especially interesting given the international demographic that visits Disneyland Paris is that cast members can adjust the language of the pre-show loading guidelines and the main show from French to English if so desired. 
I've written the Tower of Terror in Paris in both English and French, and both versions are equally fun. Oh, yeah, yeah I think cool. it's really cool. I guess it's kind of tough to do it on attractions like the Phantom Manor, where you just have such a large group of people. They also have it at the Star Tours uh, attraction. Yes. They have the possibility to switch it to English, and I only experienced that once. Me too, well, me too. <laughs> I did it like uh, 50 times, <laughs> but uh, it's possible, yeah. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting feature. It's almost like at home, right, when you're watching a movie and you can pick what language to watch it in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just switch soundtrack yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's so cool that imagineers included this in the attractions i mean they're just thinking ahead of the international guests and the demographics so that's really cool yeah yeah both versions are equally crazy fun also i know this is based on the twilight zone series but do you guys remember that there was a super trashy disney channel movie based on the attraction when I was a teenager, that film was pretty much my religion. I remember I recorded it on VHS, and whenever my brother and I were like, what should we watch? We would watch the Disney Channel Tower of Terror film. <laughs> cool. <laughs> have you ever seen this, Niels? I don't know if this ever made its way over to no, Europe. No, no, I never saw it. Yeah, no. maybe, maybe it's better that you haven't. It's really it's really bad, yeah. but it's one of those guilty pleasure type things like Sharknado. <laughs> yeah, and if you now have a look at it, then it well, might be <laughs> really, really old, uh, yeah. uh, well, old-fashioned, uh, and, uh, well, maybe even boring. <laughs> Not only TV movies special effects, but 90s television movies special effects. Yeah. They've got a special place in my heart. <laughs> Treasure it. <laughs> yeah, number two. What have you got for us, Niels? I have Phantom Manor here. <laughs> and in uh, our previous uh, podcast together about uh, the Disneyland Paris details, I already talked about Frontierland and why I love the whole area, Thunder Mesa, uh, so much. Especially because yes, of so congruent. the story of this little mine town. It's connecting the attractions, the shops, the restaurants. And Phantom Manor is part of this Old West story. But it's also a story on its own. And a story full of details about the once very wealthy Ravenswood family who lived in the manor. Uh, and now it's a haunted mansion. And curious guests can discover uh, the family secrets now. So if you survive, <laughs> as there are already 999 souls in the house uh, with room uh, for one more, <laughs> then, uh, well, maybe you can uh, tell it to your friends. <laughs> but I won't uh, spoil the whole uh, story here, as you really have to discover that for yourself, I think. And you have to write it multiple times to discover new details every time. Yes, it's a long experience, uh, around six and a half minutes, and there are so many different places that you visit, uh, full of details. It's, uh, it's just amazing. So you start in the lobby, where you get a brief introduction uh, to the story, followed by the so-called stretching room, a dark room with no windows and no doors that stretches out while revealing the dark fate of the master's uh, daughter's uh, suitors. Next is the haunted gallery with portraits that, that change every now and then and they tell more of the, well, the mysterious happenings from the past. And then you finally board the Doom Buggy. That's an Omnimover ride vehicle that takes us slowly through the rooms of the mansion and even takes us outside to the haunted western town and the graveyard, which is full of great audio animatronics, amazing uh, illusions, some great effects and a lot of small details uh, and I particularly love the great soundtrack so it's a fully immersive experience with a little surprise also added in the mirror room just before you leave the show building <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's uh, pretty cool actually the experience already starts here uh, also in the queue uh, area which is outside but you're just waiting in the garden walking along the little tea house 
the way they designed this whole garden, it's uh, yeah already starts <laughs> providing the mysterious uh, feeling. There's uh, some music in the background. That is already the introduction to the actual soundtrack that is on the inside of the building. So yeah, it's really a nice build-up to the experience. So atmospheric. Can we just mention how they recently refurbished the attraction and now it's even more fantastic? I would say that Hands down, it's got the most advanced special effects. It's really on par with Mystic Manor over in Hong Kong Disneyland. And of all the Haunted Mansion type attractions, I would say this one is definitely the most advanced of them all. And the storyline is definitely one of the creepiest of them all. It gets pretty yeah. dark in there. <laughs> it does, yeah. And it's got no narration because of the international demographic. So it's all based on interpretation. Yeah. I mean, no narration in the Doom Buddies, no, at least. True. So, yeah. Yeah. Ah, it's, it's really fantastic. Yeah, one of and, my favorites. and that's also why you can experience more and more little details every time you write Phantom Manor. As you have to, well, discover the, the true story yourself. So that's uh, yeah, pretty cool. That's definitely. Okay, I'm taking it back over again to Walt Disney Studios Park for my number two. Wow. <laughs> but you know that Rock and Roller Coaster is already close, right? Oh, uh, no. It w- <laughs> it's seriously, it would have made my list, you guys. I would have kicked Peter Pan in the booty and put in Rock and Roller Coaster right there. Mm. But since we don't have it anymore, hello, Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> my number two is Crush's Coaster. Now, next to our very unique Space Mountain, this is a truly well and ratatouille the adventure this is a true disneyland paris walt disney studios exclusive that you can't find anywhere else i'm a huge finding nemo fan myself and i've experienced the nemo attraction in the united states as well as in japan and i can say hands down this is my favorite one by a long shot this is also the only spinning type roller coaster in any Disney park. So <laughs> you get to experience the excitement of the East Australian current with Crush and you're actually spinning around. So it's, it's a lot of fun, you guys. The vehicles are shaped like these super adorable turtle shells and the whole attraction is pretty gorgeous on the inside. Now, it's not got the most advanced <laughs> animatronics ever, but you do get some very atmospheric theming. My favorite being the boarding area that looks like a harbor at sunset featuring the cute seagulls that erupt in fits of mine, 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 every once in a while. <laughs> I'm mine, sure mine, the mine. cast members love <laughs> <Yeah>. those. Uh, <laughs> listen to it all day. Yeah. <laughs> they hear it uh, <laughs> even in their sleep. That's <laughs> <laughs> what so my ringtone's going to be soon. <laughs> Alarm in the morning. Expect to see Nemo, Squirt, and other familiar faces as you glide through the Great Barrier Reef a sunken submarine and lots of jellyfish and yes even the sharks so it's a lot of fun the ride starts out fairly serene until you're swept away by the east australian current in a surprisingly intense and crazy fun sequence that turns you up and sends you spiraling back to sydney harbor so i personally could ride this attraction all day but the usual 70 to 80 minute wait time with no fast pass option available is a damper on that plan It does have a single rider queue, which I do suggest using, but the relatively low capacity of around 900 riders per hour keeps the wait times up there. So that's something to consider. Usually the the single rider line is about the same uh, waiting time as the the standby one. Definitely, uh, and that queue is not so much fun to wait in there. It's pretty pretty 
boring. <laughs> Unlike the Star Tours queue where there's a million <laughs> things to look at, this one's pretty basic. And again, yeah. you're outdoors as well. But they do have an app, right? Uh, with a, a little game to play in the queue area. Yeah, now that game is really adorable. And I would say it works around a good... 80% of the time. So I've been a couple of times where it didn't work. Right. Either way, I mean, in today's world with smartphones and Instagram and your Twitters and your WhatsApps and all that stuff, you can find distraction on your phone while you're waiting in that queue. <laughs> but in general, I would love for them to do a little bit more with it. I know it's kind of tough given the spatial limitations in that area. Either way, we'll see what happens. It's a really excellent ride. And definitely if you love roller coasters and you're in Disneyland Paris, go do it. It's worth it. You will not regret waiting 70 minutes for it. It's so much fun. Oh my gosh, are we already at our number yeah. one meals? We're already there. You want to say it together? <laughs> yeah, we have number the same number one, one. The big Thunder, thunder Mountain. Mountain. The wildest <laughs> ride in the West. <laughs> the wildest ride in the wilderness. Yeah, so true. Niels, what do you love about Big Thunder Mountain? Well, well yeah, I spoke before about the Thunder Visa story. And, well, it connects Phantom Manor and Big Thunder Mountain, both. Well, favorite ride for me, although the manor well, has far more storytelling elements, maybe. I chose Big Thunder Mountain as my favorite, as it's the eye-catcher of Frontierland. It's huge, it's beautifully situated on the island in the middle of the rivers of the Far West. And it represents the old Wild West for 100% for me. It was also the first faster type of roller coaster I rode in a long time, <laughs> as I'm not a fan <laughs> of coasters, and I hate big drops, but... My wife and my daughter convinced me back a while to come with them for one time. and It's I, not that bad, Niels. It's no, fine. Don't I worry about it. I twice that day, <laughs> during day and night. And since that moment, yeah, it's a must-do every trip. Actually, when we arrive, we first get a fast pass for Big Thunder Mountain to be sure that we can do it at least once, well, every day that we are uh, in the Disneyland Park. So, uh, yeah. What I really appreciate is the whole theming uh, with the real props that Disney bought in the US and transported to Paris. It's amazing to see how much old stuff <laughs> has been placed uh, in and around uh, the ride. And even the waiting area is full of beautiful details. It's incredible. Yeah, you really get the feel of being in a mine and or being a mine worker. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So what do you like in Big Thunder Mountain? I mean, this version of Big Thunder Mountain especially is my all-time favorite attraction at Disneyland Paris. And just all-time favorite version of Big Thunder Mountain in general. It's the best version, not only because it's the fastest, <laughs> but also because you go under the lake. You go under the lake, yeah, that's literally amazing. under the water, and travel onto an island where you have the more or less, I would say, quote unquote, regular Big Thunder Mountain experience before traveling back to the mainland. And those tunnel sequences are so much fun. And they have little bats in the final sequence that you see, and you pass through these beautiful caves i mean just the entire design of the attraction is so consistent yeah, it's beautiful visually yeah. enticing yeah i mean and you've got these adorable humor elements in there as well like the on the second lift hill the goat, ah, the goat. That, that's eating the miner's pans <laughs> and like you mentioned the entire story of the entire land being connected through the henry ravenswood story arc is just so phenomenal 
this is definitely one of the most popular rides in Disneyland Park, so be sure to get a fast pass for it if you can. Yeah. Wait times average in around 60 minutes and climb all the way up to 80, 90 during peak times and even more during the Run Disney event. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, not only is it crazy fun, but you might pass a kidney stone or two. <laughs> Have you heard about this, Niels? <laughs> no, no. So, in October of 2016, the Journal of American Osteo... Oh my gosh, I'm going to say this wrong. Osteopathic Association released a paper entitled Validation of a Functional <laughs> Pyeloc... Gosh, I'm going to say this word so wrong. Pyeloc... <laughs> sorry, any doctors listening out there, I'm sorry. Renal model for the evaluation <laughs> of renal calculi passage while riding a roller coaster was published. <laughs> The paper's author, Dr. Wurtinger, found that patients of his had passed kidney stones after riding Big Thunder Mountain Railroad at Walt Disney World while on their vacation, <laughs> <laughs> including one who passed three kidney stones on three separate occasions. Now, the doctors then tested this result with the permission of Disney. A 3D model of a kidney by riding the ride over 20 times, the study found that nearly 70% of the time, the kidney stone was passed, wow. <laughs> with results varying depending on which row they were in. So They also <laughs> found that um, Space Mountain Rock and Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith failed to cause the same result. So, you know, next time you've got, you go to the doctor and he's like, oh, you've got some kidney stones, be like, don't worry, I'm going to Disneyland Paris next week. No, I'm just kidding, you guys. <laughs> don't do that. So instead of a health warning at the entrance, uh, they should have a, well... <laughs> a message uh, benefits. that is a really healthy uh, way to uh, <laughs> no, no you guys but for good. real go, if you go to the doctor let, let him treat you but this is just such a fun fact that i thought was absolutely hilarious yeah and, it uh, is but i totally agree uh, indeed on the tunnels they're so fast and add so much fun to the whole experience and that's also what makes Ferris version of big thunder mountain really unique as Definitely. it's situated on the island uh, which is in disney world the tom sawyer island so that has a different purpose. Yeah, this one is really, really unique. Most definitely. I mean, and after riding the version in Paris, every time you'll be in the American park, you'll feel like something's missing. <laughs> or in Tokyo, you'll be like, where is yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, definitely. The Paris one is far better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Niels, thank you so much for joining me today and all of your awesome insights. This is so much fun. You guys, make sure to follow Niels on Instagram under ad capturing Disney Parks, where he posts the most amazing park pictures every day, multiple times a day. <laughs> on Twitter under at Cap Disney Parks and check out his amazing website Capturing Disney Parks where he does this really cool series where he interviews all these fabulous Disney influencers. It's a lot of fun to read through. Thanks Eric uh, for the lovely words. <laughs> it was my pleasure to uh, to be on the show today again and um, hope to be uh, here soon again. Yes most definitely Niels. We'll be back to do another fun episode. If you have any questions regarding Disneyland Paris or you'd just like to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter under at Aramagique and on Instagram under the same handle. Please make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever the platform of your choice is. And we would so very much appreciate it if you could leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. It does help out a lot. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you for joining me today. For Aramagique, this is Eric. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Airmagic is an unofficial podcast made with love and is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. This episode is not sponsored. All promotional or advertised content will be clearly identified.